Welcome to Hot Sauce and Hennessy channel. It's a Sunday night kickback. We're back here for our first full episode. And uh, we're actually here to talk about the previous week and everything that's actually been able to go down and that we found exciting. First things first, as WWE fans, we want to bring up the Elimination Chamber. Personally, I thought it was great. Uh, mainly the main two matches, the feature matches on that one. Yeah, the women's. They actually went all the way through, including Alexa Bliss, who cut a heel promo that was probably the best fit that actually set it up where I might be interested in WrestleMania, or her WrestleMania match. Uh, we'll see where that goes with that one. Hopefully they don't try to shift this that way. The the undercard matches like that, the tag match I kind of knew was false on that one. The whole, as, as a kid growing up, the Hardy Boys were the elite top tag team. I was always a fan of Brothers. That match was kind of lackluster with Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. I was I was interested in Bray Wyatt. I did stop watching wrestling for a few years, and I just kind of came back into it a couple of years ago. I believe WrestleMania 31. So it was, it was interesting to kind of see how everything kind of played out with him, but they're not really using him how I think they would or should. He probably would have been a better fixture later on. Hopefully they can start pushing Matt a little differently. I never really followed him outside with the broken gimmick. Uh, and that we've got here, the main chamber match is really actually where I wanted to talk about. And I thought it was great fixing. They got Brock set up to be a monster. I feel like he should have won because he's on a full fast track here. Probably the best choice to beat Brock. But they managed to make everybody look great. Miz, of all people, still feels like a backyard wrestler who made it. <laughs> he's just, he's one of us. Like, he shouldn't be there with them, but he still manages, and he knows he's there. See, Finn Balor, of course, he's become a personal favorite online, especially, like, kind of going back researching. He's at my first NXT live show, but he was injured, so he just kind of had to go through, but he made me start watching again. And I also do love the Clash of the Champions setup with Finn I mean, with AJ Styles and Brock Lesnar, and how he's set up where a guy who's small and technical can beat Brock, but he didn't, and then of course you put Finn over at SummerSlam, or, I'm sorry, not SummerSlam, uh, table, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, over Finn over AJ Styles, so if there had to be another route where it could have been Finn versus Brock Lesnar, or in case Finn turns out to be the guy who later on the line beats Braun Strowman, they made it happen here. Like, Braun manhandled, beasted, went through everybody. Finn, they gave him a nice run over tearing through everybody. But they had it where Finn did not back down. He put Brock on his ass for a good, solid... If he could have capitalized and kept it going, it was a different kind of match. He probably could have kept it going and wore him down a bit. And then, here's hoping later down the line we have a little bit of a club interference. Finn, I think, is a very likely champion in the future. Roman... Roman was able to win, and I'm starting to get it. They, I, like I said, I hadn't watched wrestling in a while. I was not a fan during the time of the Shield coming up, the breakup, the injuries, and Roman getting pushed over and over and over again. My first experience was Roman versus Lesnar. I believe it was WrestleMania 31. I, I was always a fan. I'm a huge fan of legacy and family wrestlers. Like I said... Hardy Boys growing up, I'm a huge fan, Harlem Heat was the top of the line, you got a family line, like, I, I love the Usos, great, Roman, he's a great 
I believe he puts on great shows. I actually have not had to endure a bad match. His promos are getting better. I just don't see what's adamant about him being the one to take the title this year besides the prospect of a rematch. Which, that's starting to sell it a little bit, but who knows how it goes. In other news, Ronda Rouse is in. She might need a hype man. Paul Heyman girl. Let's put her there. I enjoyed her segment on Raw after that, but it was also it was pretty decent. Either way, things are looking interesting at the very least the wrestling world, and we got another pay-per-view coming next week. So I'm going to be looking forward to that. Now, for my personal, personal favorite, the CW shows. The Arrowverse. I'm, I'm catching up a bit. I actually have not been watching Supergirl that much. I got to catch up on the season. And honestly, due to time, I have not watched arrow since black lightning premiered and it's a solid reason i don't know why black lightning is getting the lack of love that it is getting but i i love it as a a black man growing up the lessons that educated black parents have taught my parents do try to kind of slide it in and the fact that they can put this in a show and still have superhero issues along great the spoilers on this for the most part i apologize for spoilers for wrestling but really, last episode of Black Lightning was amazing. We can do more in-depth discussions on it. But this previous episode, you've got Jefferson going through with this maybe being an addiction. And all of a sudden, Anissa is coming into her own stride. My favorite part of the season so far was just a little bit of a hint. I don't know if it's a purpose, Easter egg or not. Anissa training in the graveyard, which of course... Is a little throwback to Virgil and Static Shock, who hopefully they find a way to make peace, bring a man, slide him in a little bit, become like a little trainee under lightning. Still, I love it. Anissa showing the powers to her parents, deciding to go ahead and show her mom. Comes in time, they try to take her mom out. They try to get some information. And the showdown that I absolutely love. You almost never see this in superhero anything shows movies whatnot you have not only two heroes potential heroes you got the old guy and the up-and-comer squaring off i mean you you have it where say the defenders where you had luke and danny everybody kind of kicking in but this is the first instance where you got the lights flickering and apparently with black lightning's power jefferson kind of disguises himself makes it bright she can't see who he is he has no clue that his little girl is out here fighting whooping ass. So they square off. And she shows, all right, I'm an up-and-comer. I'm a heavyweight. I'm ready to do this. And she puts him down for a minute. And, of course, he shows why he is the OG. He's the reigning undefeated and so far champion right now. And he puts her down. And I don't know why, but the simple reveal where she gets her ass whooped. And then that little... That little Ow! <laughs> and he realizes he just dropped his own daughter. That was probably one of the greatest moments for me personally on that for Black Lightning. And of course, we have it here where the Flash. Flash was pretty interesting. I I'm enjoying the season so far, especially the introduction of uh, Elongated Man. Like he's actually becoming a very key title piece. I was kind of. A little off how he didn't he just decide he, he automatically was him over heels over this girl. I guess it was she changed his mind about country, but he was really into her. I've got but 
got to admit, I'm not too big on him specifically comic-wise, so I don't know if there was, like, like another Easter egg attraction where he ended up being with her. Who knows? I mean, from what I've read, maybe one, he was... It was probably the Black Lantern comic books where he came back from the dead and he was in love with someone. I'm sorry, it's hazy, it's been a while. But they they played it off very well. Like, Demi's become, like, a key piece. Like, I love that whole cast. That Flash is one of my favorite shows. My genuine secret favorite show it's not that much of a secret Legends of Tomorrow it's just great because they, they, they've set it up in a world where you expect it to be goofy bullshit and nothing of substance happens and then of course you they just underline this plot so well and then they have it narrowed down to where it is about these totems now I'm invested to finding these six totems and they leave so much room for goofy bullshit to happen you went and you go through different segments. You've got Sarah's date. Then you've got Blackbeard. And they, they made Blackbeard kind of a punk, but I could see the humor behind it. And the fact is, this is so easy to let Mick Rory be the, the, just the head of this mission, untamed guy. But they've done that before. So they give it to Amaya, who needs to relax. And just kind of everything set down. And the fact of it, the way that they ended it off... Everything's in the shakeup. Like, who do you think's gonna grab the Earth totem? How's this gonna turn around? Everything comes in full circle. You just kind of, kind of figure out where do you, where do you see it going? And the key to piece it all together, they got Wally West. As my my boy Keon, can't say his name. I'm sorry. Wally West is there, and he didn't. They didn't throw him in, make him the the dance mechanism, the fix all, just to go ahead and fix it. He's out here getting speedster drunk with Rip, singing karaoke. Universe, world, whatever timeline is on the line, and Rip says, fuck it. And this show is amazing. It's been one of the highlights of my year. I'm going to start catching up with Arrow and Supergirl. We're going to bring those into the fold more. And I just want to go ahead and top it off with... I read, very recently, uh, two comics... Two comics I've read so far were Batman and the Signal. That was one. I like it. I'm waiting for the second issue for me to pick it up and go ahead and to enjoy it. It was one of those things where it's based on a setting of Gotham in the daytime. And the way that they did it so well, it's really another side to the coin. Because you got Commissioner Gordon, Bruce Wayne, and shows all the Robins and the whole Bat family. And then it just flips it. Like, Gordon's there, yeah, but he's transferring information to a daytime detective. Alright, cool. And I got everybody who's working on the, the limelight, the spotlight right there, and they're all having a meeting before they send out a signal. Duke Thomas. He's become the daytime protector of Gotham. And the side part of that is he actually does have meta powers. It seems he has a reflection of light. He's able to see where light has been removed or misplaced or just altered to the point where he can kind of visualize infractions of light so in case of we act in the one specific case he's able to actually see where someone else who happened to be a meta was using the powers he was able to locate the pressure points by where he was gaining energy he also had a bit of like a ghost vision as he called it where he looked at a specific keypad and was able to check to see in a like a 24-hour span how the lights on that specific area were affected and was able to figure out the code. It's interesting to say the less. I'm very, very unsure how it's going to happen, 
But I, I feel like that's going to catch on and it's going to be something pitiful. It's hoping, hopefully they can put in the animated universe because DC's animated movies are just straight top of the line. Like I've said it multiple times, Assault on Arkham probably should have been the Suicide Squad movie. All you, that's, that almost flipped it all together. Now, uh, the second comic I read was Kick-Ass 2. They've reimagined it. Uh, Kick-Ass 2. They've reimagined it. They actually were managed to uh, kind of have it in a different setting. Same kind of universe you kind of see. And it's now it's a mother who actually, from the military, came home. Father of children abandoned her. The setting is kind of, it's kind of rough on... I hate, hate to see the same things historically happen, but you understand they still do happen. So she's trying to make ends meet. She's a, like I said, she's a single mother now. She's out here doing it. It's a, nice, it's a black woman just trying to survive for her kids. And she sets up a robbery on the local kingpin. And it, it kind of clicked in. It just, it did happen kind of quick, so maybe I'll get more into the second issue. Who knows on that? It's one of those things that's kind of fallen short, but I'm going to try to keep up with it and see what's going on. Final piece, tabletop play. I know, it's weird, I, I, I'm I a huge, huge tabletop person like lately. A game I've played, it's a board game called Dead of Winter. And honestly, I've never wanted to slap the soul out of my friend so much. It is a zombie survival game. You gotta go through, you gotta fill your crisis, fill your needs every round. Every game is different, and at the same time, you gotta be on the lookout for a traitor. Me and my friends, we went through a couple rounds, it took a couple hours, we were still trying to figure out the rules, and also trying to figure out who's trying to turn who, what the hell everybody's end game was, and this game is amazing. So we will go ahead, I'll get more in-depth discussion, see if we can get more information, and more games that maybe you want to check out. Thank you again for the Sunday Night Kickback. I'm going to go ahead and log off and get ready for this next week to see what we can bring you next.